You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone, I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. In every episode, we'll be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And today we're going to be discussing a topic that I've been working on and researching and trying to get better at probably over the last half decade. And that is how do we find wisdom in this, uh, in the world that we live in now when you've got so much information out there. And so the topic that we're going to be talking about in the name of this episode is finding wisdom in a sea of information. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of information out there. And just to kind of step back, I am, you know, it's like, there seems to be a theme in in my thought process and that I'm just having a ton of fun when it comes to recording these. Like I think we've, you know, we're picking topics week in and week out that we that we really think about, that we really spend some time on. And I'm a little bit different than you in that you said you've been, you know, really tracking this down over the last half decade or so this falls into that category and I've talked about this before of you know I I tend to I tended to react to life and and didn't go after it and over the last probably three years that whole mindset has really shifted in me and it's really this idea of wait there's aspects of life that I can go after why I can't control everything and why I have uh, certain callings and leanings towards other areas it's definitely something that I can I can work at and set after and get after. And this is one of those areas that has really kind of come to light for me in that, you know, I need to be a lot more or I need to be proactive in finding wisdom inside of all the information and not just letting, you know, quote unquote wisdom come to me. Yeah, I think we all we all end up gaining wisdom as we go along, right? And so I think one of the one of the really good things for us to do before we start talking about this topic is kind of defining what wisdom is. And so, you know, as I looked up the definition researching for this for this topic is, you know, the, the good definition for wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And so as we live our life, you know wisdom comes to you because you basically learn from your mistakes. And if you're living life, you're definitely going to have mistakes. And it's really your choice if you learn from those mistakes or not. And so for, you know, as I started coming through and and learning things, I just, I just don't like to be wrong on a lot of stuff, I guess you could say. (laughs) And so for me, it's like, I'm always trying to figure out like, how do I learn in a way that I can you know, have that wisdom? How do I know that I'm making good decisions? How can I be, you know, make sound decisions? And so what I found is that, you know, when I make mistakes, I only like to bump my head one time. So I don't, I don't have a problem making a mistake, but I do have a problem making the same mistake over and over and over again. That's one thing that I try not to do with myself. And so, so I always try to look at, you know, who's had the experiences that uh, I might be looking forward to doing. And people have gone before me and there have been a lot of smart people before me that have lived and made decisions. And so I just look at what people are doing and I'm like, how can I make the best of the situations that I'm in in my life personally? So I look at them and I say, OK, that looks like they know what they're doing in that area. And then I kind of research that. And so looking for wisdom in that space is like basically what I break it down to is learning from your experiences. And so wisdom, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And I think the best way for us to do that is to look at other people's experiences, see what they've done and kind of use that for ourselves. I think that's huge. You definitely have to be looking to what other people are doing and gaining 
you know, utilizing their experience as opposed to like, if you go into something just completely blind and you're going to try to figure it out, then that's definitely not going to work. Like we talked in previous episodes about like investing and how, how we got into investing. Like if you just taught, if you just went and Googled, Hey, how to invest in real estate. I mean, there's no way you'd ever be able to kind of hone that in and get yourself in a, a good direction based on, you know, where you're at, what type of investing you want to do, what resources you have available. I think for me, and and I definitely have seen it in you, is we put ourselves in a certain circle of people and uh, that kind of um, eliminated a lot of the information that's out there. Like, so we kind of peeled the layers back to get into what we felt was good information. And we based that on were we comfortable with the people that we were learning from and were we comfortable with uh, how they were doing it um, and that, you know, morals and ethics are a huge part in that. How are they carrying themselves? How do they behave? So, you know, the first step for uh, for me was looking to gain information in a topic is find somebody that I trust and that has characteristics that I want to emulate. And so the, I think that's, for me, the biggest part is finding the right people. Definitely finding the right people, and then because uh, that that exactly comes down to what I was ex- what I was saying, right? You 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 can use other people's experience, or you can use your own experience, and so finding the right people that you want to uh, to get information from is the best way to do that. And so what I, I kind of when we were researching this topic, what I did is I I went back and I was like, how do I? Because I don't really think about it, like how I look for people that. Uh, that I either want to be mentored by or someone, even if it's a coach that you pay to get, you know, help with. And so I was sitting down, I was thinking like, how do I actually, how does that process actually work for myself? And I think it comes down to partly exactly what you said. And then the other part is, is I want to know exactly what it is that I actually want to achieve. Right. And so for instance, if it's uh, real estate, because both of us actually, that's how we found each other, right? Is through a real estate coach. And so uh, whenever I was look, sitting down thinking about my real estate career, I remember I was getting ready to uh, stop my quote unquote job that I had before. And I was looking to go into real estate full time. And I sat down and I said, okay, I know absolutely nothing about real estate when after I got my license you know? And so, um, I knew how to do real estate investing, but I did not know how to go out, find business, cultivate business, and then make it, you know, basically like repeat and referral business, which is what I wanted for myself. I wanted to be able to have a way that I could consistently have business business coming in where I don't have to worry about what's happening. Right. So I think one key thing, other thing to think about in this is that when you don't know what you're doing and you don't have that wisdom, it causes fear, right? And when you have fear, you tend to like kind of stop and not do, not do anything. Um, and so with that, you know, we went out and started researching people that I wanted to, uh, learn from as far as real estate goes. And so we went out, our coach was Kevin Ward. I went out, I went to his event and when he spoke, he spoke to number one, he spoke and he knew, about real estate. He had a process. He had already done it. And then he also conveyed that he could transfer those skills over to myself, you know? And so, um, and he had a lot of the things that I was looking for. He wanted you to be great. He talked about greatness, right? And then he also talked about building a life, you know, rather than just sacrificing your whole life, but actually building a life that you could, you know, share with your family and those sorts of things. So I think it's actually finding someone who knows the knowledge. And then like you said, also the other intangible things as well that like can speak to you. I think kind of go back and speak to that fear. It's the, you know, nobody likes being in the unknown. Everybody's uh, afraid of the unknown. And you know, we see it all the time with real estate clients when you're negotiating, you know, whether it be you're negotiating the deal or you're negotiating some repairs, you know, sometimes there's a couple days in that process that as a buyer or seller, you don't know if the house is going to sell or not sell. And I find that those are the times that are the most uncomfortable for people. 
But going back to, you know, when you got into real estate and the kind of where the fear creeps in, I mean, there's a time, I remember getting my license and starting in this job and thinking like, what am I going to do with all my time? Like, I didn't know there was so many tasks to do. So it's, a, you know, living in the, the, talk about the world of the unknown is the, you know, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. Like, okay, so how, how do I turn this into an eight or 10 hour a day thing? And, um, you know, and then once you get into, you know, that, you know, I took the same path you did and that I didn't, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff about real estate I didn't know. And that's when I also found Kevin and um, my route to Kevin was a little bit different in that it was, you know, Kevin came referred to me from somebody I trust, uh, you know, somebody who I had a lot of respect for. His name was Mike Fritz. And he, he spoke highly of Kevin said, Hey, this guy, you know, you know, he's, he's a great coach. He's a great person. Um, and you know, that whole being a great person really spoke volumes to me. Cause that's, those are the people I want to learn from the people that are great people. Uh, and then they have a skill set outside of being a great, you know, a great person. And so that was the, you know, just kind of speak on that fear. It's the, when you don't know what you don't know, it's really important to get yourself around some people that kind of help you make some, you know, that help you get some clarity on that. So I, I think, yeah, talking about the the fear thing. So once you go to the fear, then you have to find out like what is true. Because what I feel found is that there's that acronym that fear is like false evidence appearing real. And when you don't know something, you start to make up these stories about kind of what's happening based off of your experience with things. But sometimes your experience and what you see might not be the actual truth that's that's going on, correct? And so even still staying on the, the real estate example is that, you know, so now I went back and then after I started, you know, listening to how I can start developing a business, what I started to look at is I said, okay, well, how many real estate sales are kind of going on in my area? And then how many of those sales do I need in order for me to like actually make a living? And so like what I found out is I think there's probably like, I only needed like two or three at the, at the time, I only needed like two or three transactions in order to like be able to make a living. I mean, two would probably be like worst case scenario. And then when like I look at a month or yeah, like two a month, okay. you know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, if I do these two deals on average, like I can make it, you know? And when you look at it, I was like two deals a month is a very, very small percentage of what's actually getting done in my town. So I looked at it, I'm like, man, that is doable, you know? So kind of to recap, it's the, you find yourself, you're an agent, but you don't really know what to do. Uh, so now you know you need to seek out some wisdom. So you find the person, and then inside of that, you're taking a look at the your environment um, and is what you're trying to do possible? Uh, is the, you know, is it, you know, feasible to do what you're trying to do. Cause if you, you know, if there's only, you know, this isn't unreal, this isn't realistic, but if there's only five deals in the whole market and you need to get three of them, that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you're looking at, you know, out of the hundreds of deals, okay, out of the hundreds of deals, I only need two um, with the right skill set, that shouldn't be a problem at all. And so, exactly. It's, so, you know, you found uh, where you needed wisdom and then you're looking for the person. And the, the one word you said uh, in this, you know, the last couple of years in our lives, I know this keeps coming up, is process. Uh, you found somebody that has a process. Uh, so you're not, you know, um, what you're trying to do, the information's out there for what you're trying to do, and you don't need to invent the wheel. That's exactly right. So there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so... Yeah. Everything has been done before. There, there's no new ideas or anything like that. So you just have to go out and seek and find the person that can help you actually get those things done. And the other thing going on, you know, basically the the topic of our podcast, success without sacrifice, is that you also look at the individual and say, when I look at the outcome of what they've done, did they have to, when they did that, did they, you know, wreck everything that they had whenever they, you know, whenever they got what they got or the thing that they're helping you with. And then even if they did wreck their life, a lot of times they've already learned from that. Right. And so that's kind of the key thing is like, I can experience it myself or 
I can pay for somebody else's experiences, right? So I, I did this, this is what I did. I would still do the same thing, but, you know, I would not do it in this way anymore because, you know, I lost my, you know, my friendships or I lost my family or whatever else, you know, getting to that end. And then this is how I want to help you, you know, kind of move forward from that. So that's Russell, the other thing that I think is good. Russell Brunson has a story and I, I'm drawing a blank on who he was talking to, but when he was, he was working with someone and they were talking about like partnering up on everything on something, not everything. And the person asked him, he says, well, you know, have you ever filed bankruptcy? And he's like, yeah, I had to do it back in, you know, whatever year. And he's like, okay, good. Then you already have yours out of the way. Because I don't like to partner with anybody that hasn't doesn't have their bankruptcy out of the way. <laughs> just talking about, you know, learning from your mistakes. And just because, you know, the mistakes are there, you know, the, the you know, you're going to fail. And those are there. It's just a matter of what you do with that, you know, on the other side. It is weird. Like, it, it almost seems a, a little backwards in that you know, we need to find the person before we get the necessarily get the information, but that's not how we always want to work because we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable in situations. Like we don't want to walk into a room where we're under the idea that everyone in the room knows stuff that I don't. And so I'm walking in this room without the wisdom that I think everyone in the room has. And that's a hard part to do. So a lot of times we're trying to do a lot of that research on our own or we, you know, you know, we either, you know, use kind of Google as the resource or we maybe, maybe you buy a digital course, but there's way more power in being around the people than just having the information. Like it speeds the process up, you know, dramatically to not just have the information. Cause it's not just information that we need. We need to be able to kind of decipher the information off of somebody else's past experiences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. The world has changed, right? So we're in the information age now when, you know, there's not a lack of information anymore with the internet, with Google, with all that stuff. Literally every piece of information is at your fingertips. You can find any information that you want on something, but just exactly what we're talking about, just because you have the information does not mean you can get the results you want which is probably in the end exactly what this all comes down to is like, how do I get the result that I want? You got to begin with the end in mind. And so information is just information. If you don't know how to use it, if you don't know how to analyze it, if you don't know even where it came from, are you working with good information? That's the other thing. How do you find good information? And so uh, one of the really good examples that I, that I think is like really good for this is like, just the real estate industry in general, right? So a lot of times what I tell my clients in the conversation that we have, if it's with a buyer or a seller, is that I tell them that the rules to real estate have changed, right? And so back in the day, before I was in real estate, um, I'm just talking <laughs> off what I hear. <laughs> but uh, I know it's true is that like it before you had to come to myself or you had to come to a realtor or, you know, in the general sense, you had to come to an expert in order to get your information. So if you wanted to buy a house, the only way you knew what was on the market was either you drove around and you saw a sign in the yard or you drove to a real estate office and they pulled out the book, you know, the MLS book, and you went through and you looked at the properties. You couldn't do that at your house. You couldn't do that, you know, anywhere else. You had to come to the actual agent to do that. And then well, you're now, looking at, well, and the, you know, you come in and you'd look at that book and it's like one picture of the house, a black and white picture. And it's this uh, DOS based form with just, you know, three bedrooms, two baths. Here's the square footage. And then if the agent was pretty creative, then there was a good write up about the house. Uh, if you had an agent that wasn't so creative, like, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe me, it was pretty basic right up in the just kind of the facts of the house. But that's basically all you're getting is a black and white picture with the facts. Yeah. And then the information, how, how often did they update that info? It's yeah, that's again, that was before I was in real estate, but I, the way I understand it was weekly, they would update those books. Okay. So weekly still, even then, like now 
updates are made instantly, right? So you have all of the information. And so my point being is that um, now everybody has a smartphone, everybody has all of the information. And so uh, information is not the key anymore. A real estate agent, the value of a real estate agent has changed. And so you have to have a strategy that's going to help you price your home, use your price as a strategy, and then also help you pull people into the house because everybody knows exactly what the house looks like. They know exactly what every other house on the market sold for and all of that. And so everybody has all the information, but now the realtor that you choose either number one, they have to have some off market inventory that you don't know about, which is still a possibility. But the other thing is that they have to have a strategy that is going to help you get the most money for your house or a strategy that's going to help you find a deal on a house in order to get you the best deal whenever you purchase your home. Yeah, you, you are correct in that. I mean, our, our clients more than ever have more education and you typically, like if you go out on a listing, it's almost uh, impossible at some point to know more about the neighborhood in the real estate realm than the actual client. You know, we're looking at tons of neighborhoods where they're looking, you know, they're really just keeping track of one neighborhood, man. They know everything. They've talked to neighbors. They know what's, you know, come on the market. They know what kind of offers are on properties. It's like a lot of times you can, you can glean some information on your listing from your, from your client because they know more about the neighborhood than you do just based on where the information's available. That's exactly right. And so really where it comes in, like, I think the key point on this wisdom thing is where it comes in is like, I talk to a lot of for sale by owners who are trying to sell their house on their own. And it's like, they're like, okay, well, I can put my house on the MLS. I can just pay somebody a flat fee to do that. And then I know all of the information that's out there, but the key comes down to the details, right? The strategy. And so a lot of times I'm like, okay, that is, that is true. But now my next question is, is like, well, what are you going to do? when you get multiple offers, you know, on your house, how do you, how do you ensure that you get the absolute most money for your home? Because if you're selling your home as a for sale by owner, you're probably doing that because you think that you're going to net more money by selling it on your own. And so I'll ask them a, a few questions. One of the questions will be, what will you do when you get multiple offers? And I usually get blank stares because they don't have, they don't have a strategy. They don't know what to do next. It's like, well, I got the information and I got the house on the market, but there's more to it than that. And so that's where the wisdom comes in for myself, you know, and so, or from, from us. And so then that's a question. The other question is once you have the, once you have the house under contract, how do you keep somebody from stealing all your equity during the inspection period? How do you know what inspect, how do you know what things are normal for people to ask for, uh, on an, on an inspection or whatever? And you get another blank stare, right? They just, they just don't know. And so that's where the other, so we talked about fear, right? That's where the fear part comes in because the unknown kind of what you talked about before is what causes that fear and anxiety. And once you get past the information into the experience and how, what comes next, that's kind of that unknown portion, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the, you know, I've had these conversations with first sale by owners as far as like, you know, marketing strategies and pricing strategies. And, you know, even when it, before they even put it on the market, if you talk to them about a pricing strategy, well, what do you mean? I'm going to put on, I'm going to put it on the market what I think it's worth, or I'm going to put it on the market for, you know, 10,000 more than I think it's worth. And that gives me some room to negotiate. And that may not be the best pricing strategy for that neighborhood or for, you know, that particular, you know, house. And then when you start talking to them about there's three, Okay, so you're going to have to negotiate the offer and then you're going to have to negotiate repairs and then you're possibly going to have to negotiate the appraisal. How There's three sections of negotiating and most people have just thought it up to the point I'm going to just get an offer. And so, you know, it's bringing, it's taking all that information uh, and breaking it down and letting them know that, you know, there's different ways to handle that information. It's not just something that's cut and dry and it's not going to just kind of define itself. Exactly. And what you said, which the parallel here that I see, like what you said about how do you price your house? Always people want to price their house high. And then they're like, okay, that gives me room for negotiation. And so the conversation that we had, I have with folks is, okay, just by that premise, you have already overpriced your house. 
So you have to look at it from, you know, the other side of the, the other side, the other side's perspective. And so why would you overprice your house? And so I'm like, okay, well, why don't we just try it out at 50,000 above the price? Well, that's just ridiculous, you know? And so that's, you know, kind of the things you have to kind of talk through because on the surface, that sounds good and it looks good. But, you know, when you actually get in the transaction and you're actually trying to, you know, bring somebody in and get them to make the best offer on your house, that's not the best perspective to look at it from. So what we do is we we flip the script and we see how do we force people to make offers on your home, look at it from a totally different perspective. We price your house right. So when somebody comes in, they feel like they have to make an offer on your house. And then that puts you in a totally different position. But the point, the point to saying all that is, is that you have to find someone who has that wisdom. And so I guess my question would be, in a general sense, how do we flesh that out? Even if it's not on the real estate side, how do we, how do we find someone or how do we know exactly what we're looking for to help us get, you know, those results that we, that we want to get? How do you take what we know in real estate and then apply it to like other parts of your life? Well, for me, it's a facts versus wisdom. You know, there's a lot of areas in my life that I have a lot of facts on, but I don't necessarily have a lot of wisdom. And then even you have to go back to the, to the facts and, you know, do I want to, you know, whenever we have a, a, an outcome that we want, we can go improve that. If I, if, you know, you know, something that is in conversation right now, and I definitely don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but this is a, a glaring one because it's in conversation every day is this idea of mass. So if I want to come up with facts that say masks work and that we need them to stay healthy and we need them, you know, to, you know, uh, alleviate deaths from coronavirus, then I can go and get all the facts that I, to prove that case. Well, on the other side, if I want to say, you know, masks don't help anything, uh, it's not changing a thing, I can go and get all the facts I need to prove that as well. So, you know, there's a bunch of facts on both sides, but where's the wisdom in it? And it goes, whether it's in real estate too, um, just to take it back to that, if, you know, chances are, um, if a house, let's say, you know, I can, I can make a case that a house is worth 320,000, or I can make a case that's worth 280,000 based on the facts. So it goes beyond the facts. It goes to the wisdom of the market. What street is the house on? What condition is the house in? And what results will come when we market those things, uh, not just that it's a three bedroom, two bath. I really like, yeah, I really like what you said right there. And I think the key that I pull out of that is like whenever you look at a house, everybody will have a different opinion on what the price is, right? Exactly. So there's usually like a range on the house. So using your example of, you know, 300, the house is worth 300,000. One person might say it's 280 and the other might say it's 320. Well, the one thing you do have control over is how you present the house. And so how do you present the house in a way that will get you the most value? And so using our old example of, you know, back in the day, you had to come to a realtor to figure out what the actual, what actually was on the market. So back in the day, you might be able to list a house that's worth 300 at 320 and then somebody come through and not know about anything else that's on the market. And then they make an offer at 320 and buy the house at 320. Well, in today's market, you look on Zillow, you see that every other house in that area is not selling for 320. And so you have it listed for 320. Now you get an, you know, people put in offers at 280. But if I list a house at, you know, 300 and everybody sees that it's priced correctly, now I get multiple offers on the house. And now I can potentially drive the price up. Right. And so the key thing is like you're saying is like stats can show that like you can get a certain, we don't have, we can't control the outcome or the result of something, but we can, we can control the process and how we do things, which I think is what you said earlier that I think is really important for us to look at. And then from the personal standpoint, the side of it is pulling back in that, that fear thing and all that is that, we have a need for certainty and like knowing how we can 
at least get the outcome that we want. You know, you got to have hope that you can actually get that outcome. And so I think uh, knowing that you have a process kind of helps with that certainty factor and the fear factor. Well, and sometimes I think, you know, in society, we've come to this conclusion, you're, you're either right or you're wrong. Like there's no differentiating between, you know, to use our real estate example, you know, either 280 is the price or 300 is the price. 300 is the price. And it's not as clear cut as that. Like I've got a situation right now. I've got a house that we're under contract. We just had the inspection and we had, uh, you know, Mike, I'm representing the buyers. They um, had a septic field inspection. So uh, they came in, inspected the septic field. And uh, the report we got back was the field had failed. Uh, the two test holes that they dug are saturated. And I don't know a ton about septic fields because um, we have them here, but not, you know, they're not, you know, they're not the majority, that's for sure, of what I deal with. And, you know, it has to do with the stone and the pipe. And I've learned more about septic fields in the last week than I, I've ever thought I would need to know. And so, boom. Okay, so that's cut and dry, Mike. Okay, the field failed. Well, the sellers went and got a second opinion. And another company came out and they dug up two different holes in two different spots of the field. And that spot doesn't look anything like the spot that we dug up. And their report says that the field's satisfactory. So now we have, you know, we're looking at the exact same septic field and it's not huge, but we have two different, um, you know, two different, uh, you know, outcomes on the report. One saying it failed, one saying it didn't. So now here's where, so now we have the facts. So now the whiz, you know, I've got a, um, try to present some wisdom here and how do I help my clients proceed? Now, do my clients still want the house? If they want the house, then what kind of scenario can we come together with the, the seller to put a deal together? And what does that look like? So it's not just a matter of it failed or it passed. Now it's a matter of where can we go with the information we have uh, and, and have a good outcome for both the seller and the buyer in the scenario. 100%. Yeah. So the, the facts are the facts. And then the wisdom comes in is how do you, how do you work with those facts in order to get the, basically get the outcome that you're looking for, right? Yep. And I think we see it a lot in training and coaching. You know, you and I talk a lot about coaching and we, one coach is going to coach one way and a and, and that's going to work. And another coach has a completely different style and a completely different opinion on how to handle a scenario and that's going to work, but it comes down to they both had a process. And so the process is going to get you a positive outcome for what you're trying to accomplish. It doesn't mean that one is right or wrong. It means there's just two different ways to get there. And so it's not just this black and white. I mean, that's probably drives me the, you know, it, it just drives me crazy right now. And that it's either you're all right or you're all wrong. And, and then once you're wrong, you're wrong. And there's no coming back from that. And even if you're wrong, you know, we look at people right now and they, you know, if they're wrong, then that means they're wrong on everything. Uh, and that's just not the case. I always think about, uh, we did a, uh, we were in a group one time and we did an experiment and, uh, they talked about, uh, there was an accident and then everybody kind of tells their perspective, like what they saw on the accident. And yep. basically, Almost everybody, what everybody says is absolutely true, but because of the perspective that they saw it from, they saw different things, right? And so that's the one thing you have to look at is, you know, where are you looking at things and how are you looking at things? And then also the people you look at, how are they looking at things? And so the key point that I pull from all of this, though, is that you definitely, especially that's the one thing I said I had been researching this for like the past five years or so. The thing that I've probably learned the most out of, you know, this wisdom, how to find wisdom is that um, I need help with what I'm doing. So like trying to do something on my own usually never works out. Actually, it does work out, but it's just a lot slower. You know, and so if I'm trying to yep. do something and I want to do it with speed and I want to be as proficient as I can, then I need to find find help is basically what I'm getting at. Because most of the time when I try to figure something out on my own, I'm doing it in a vacuum, right? I'm doing it only from my perspective, only from what I see. And that's uh, that can cause you to make mistakes that you don't, you know, you might not see if you had another set of eyes 
plus someone that's done it before and, and all of that. So one of the other things I kind of wanted to talk about is like, as I started to like try to figure out more information and figure out like where I can gain wisdom is I started to read a lot more. Like that's why I read so much now is because, you know, there is so much information out there. And so when I hear something, what I do, what I've found and what I think is that most people or at least the experts that you listen to, they've either experienced something themselves or they've done the research and looked at some literature that like shows how they came to the conclusion that they've come to. And so a lot of times what I like to do, what I use for myself, for instance, if I read a book or if I hear someone talking about something, they usually have a source from where they got their information from. So I always try to figure out what, how did they come to the conclusion that they came to? Is it through their experience or is it through like something that they read or a source or a study or something like that? And then I will go and I will research that for myself or at least do a little bit of reading on it. And then I try to be unbiased and say, would I still come to the same conclusion that this person came to having read the same things that they read or, you know, kind of experienced the same things that they experienced? Yeah. And I think that that goes right in the same line of, you know, find somebody you trust uh, to get that, to help you take the information and decipher it. You know, it's now you're just going to a, a book or an author and you're looking at it from that category, but you're not just explicitly accepting what they say. Like it has to, you know, it has to meet the test, you know, it's, you know, the, the smell test, you know, it's like, does this, is this adding up, you know, from what I'm observing, does that make sense? Uh, from what I know, from my experience, does that make sense? And sometimes you're going to look at scenarios and like, yeah, it just doesn't add up. And you're going to make your decision based on that. And so, you know, I don't know if that's a, you know, your experience or a gut feeling or just, in, you know, intuition. But I think that plays a part in it. But to start with, you had to, you had to have a certain level of trust in whatever that person was saying in, in the book to get you to move past that. And then you just, yeah, you just kind of, you hear what they say and then you kind of, uh, kind of go from there. One of the, one of the examples I, I think of is the, I've been, I do a lot of research. So I'm like all over the place when I'm thinking about things and looking at things and reading things. But I always um, know when you're, I always know when you're onto something. Cause like I'm getting these links in, uh, in WhatsApp. Oh, Jacoby's watching videos tonight. <laughs> yeah. Either watching videos or something, but like, yeah. so for instance, uh, what I found is like, obviously I always like that one verse Romans 12 too, that talks about, uh, you know, not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, yep. but, uh, about renewing your mind. And so the mind is like, so it, it, it start, everything starts with the mind. I think everything starts with the mind. And so I read a couple of books. One was like moonlighting with Einstein is what the book was called. And it's, uh, they have like these contests where people like remember different things and they have like memory tests and like folks that can remember like just tons and tons of stuff. And then there's another book called, um, Oh man, it's by Charles Duhigg. I think it's the power of habit or something like that. I think is what it's called. And I read these two books and what I found out is like the book, they both wrote the books based off one set of, um, test, like of, um, research. And, um, it was research based on people that had like lost their memory. Like they had lost their memory, but they could still like remember routines and how to do them. And so, you know, once I read those two books, I was like, man, they, these books are different, but they come from the same research. And so whenever I looked at that, I was like, man, I need to look at this, take a look at this research and figure out how that affects the brain. And so now, like whenever I look at things, I, I know that there are certain habits and certain ways that you have to do things in order to remember things and then how, how great habits are in your life and how habits like basically control everything in your life. Even if you lost your memory, like your habits would still control your life. But my point in saying that is, is that uh, they each got their information or got their results of their information and their thoughts from one set of research. So like you can go back to that source, read the research, also read those two books, and then also come up with your own 
conclusions based off that and see if they actually match what those two people said. Because most, a lot of times you see things when people talk about it, a topic, they're pulling it from research and their experience. So then you can go back and, and figure out how that expert actually became an expert. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. It did. I'm not familiar with that Moonlighting with Einstein book. I've, I've read The Power of Habit. Uh, I'll have to check out that Moonlighting with Einstein and uh, check it out. Give it a read uh, or, well, give it a listen. So, yeah. So. Reading books through your ears. Yes. In the truck. <laughs> nice. See, but that's the difference. So I listen to books because I'm in the vehicle like way more than you are. I mean, and... Uh, you know, it's nothing for me to have to get in the truck and drive a half hour to get somewhere. Um, whenever I talk to you, like, oh, I'll be in the car. Like, you're in the car like three and a half minutes. And you're like, okay, I'm here. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you know, so exactly. um, it takes me a little longer to get to places in the suburbs of Detroit than it does for you to, in Midland, Texas. For sure. So what are your, what are your wrap-ups on this thing now that you – so after you um, – did a little research on this topic. Obviously we're, we're working through this. What are your, what are your takeaways or what did you, uh, things that stood out to you, you know, as you were, as you were thinking about this? For me, it has to, you know, it kind of goes back to having some clarity on who I want to be and why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And for me, if I'm going to research or learn something, it's definitely about finding someone who has been down that road, has been down the road that I want to go down and putting myself in their circle and not just trusting what they say, but like you said, taking a look at the things that they've studied or the people they've studied and doing my research and, and, you know, formulating my opinion and what I need to do based on, on that. But I definitely use people as a, you know, as the guiding light in that. And so, you know, people that um, I look at that I respect and trust uh, and they carry themselves in a way that, uh, that, uh, that's valuable to me or not valuable to me, but that, um, you know, I don't have a problem associating with them and, and, and their personality. So I look at the person and then kind of take it from there and what is it the things that they're looking at and studying and that's kind of how I end up going down the road. You know, the things I look at, like real estate, investing, parenting, you know, you know, topics like that. Um, I'm just looking at people that I, uh, that I respect and trust and kind of following the path that they've taken with the information that they've used. As I look back at it, yeah, that's the very similar, very similar as well. Um, I like to research things for myself is kind of my uh, personality. And so I listen to a few folks just the same way you said, and I try to figure out what do they believe. And then I try to find out what the truth is. So for instance, if somebody's telling me something and I always use gravity as an example, because it's so ridiculous if you don't believe in gravity, but if somebody's talking and they're like, they don't believe in gravity and that's their, the truth that they're coming from, then I know that there's gravity and I believe that. And so then I'm going to go find someone else that, that actually kind of believes what I believe and what I know is what I know is true. And so like, um, and then the other thing is, is I, I think that I see on this is that uh, information is good. You got to be able to find wisdom. And if I don't have that, it kind of uh, stirs up some fear inside of me, which I didn't, I didn't really think I was going to be thinking about fear as much as I, I did with this topic of information and wisdom. Like I think I was kind of shocked that, you know, fear and uncertainty uh, came into play so much. And, and I think so, along that lines of fear is that you have to be careful not, because there is so much information, you know, we originally talked about calling this, uh, you know, podcast drowning in information, searching for wisdom. Uh, but we didn't want, you know, I, I didn't really want it to be part of drowning, but it's possible for you to drown in information. Um, you know, there's times that, you know, I go down a, a rabbit hole on something and I'm just taking in all this information and 
I'll get to a point where I just stop and look and I'm like, and that has no effect on my life. It's not moving me forward. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help my family. It's just information and I can't do anything about it. It doesn't add anything. It just builds that fear up though. Typically in those scenarios, that's what happens. If you start bringing in too much information is that fear starts to build. Exactly. And then I, I listened to something. I, I went down the YouTube rabbit rabbit hole, like researching this stuff, but Jocko Willink had a, uh, he had like a YouTube and he talked about, he talked about, he basically talked about fear and how they do training in the seals. And, and I thought about the same thing with my training, whenever I went to basic training or whatever else is that the problem is that not that like, it's always the fear of the unknown, right? So for instance, he said they would tell us that we were going on a run and it wasn't the fact that we were going on the run. The problem was, it's like, we never knew when the run was going to end is the problem. And so you don't know how much to pace yourself. You don't know like how hard to run. Like if you know, you're going to be running a mile, you're like, okay, I know how hard I got to run. Or if you know, you're going to be running for 45 minutes, you know, you know, how, how to pace yourself. It's like, okay, I'm not going to die. Essentially, you probably won't die when you run anyway. But the problem is like when you're in like the military and basic training, it's the total mind, a mind stretch. And they basically, they're like, all right, well, how far are we running? They're like, well, we're running until we get done. You know, And it's like, okay, we're running until we get done. I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. And now like, and now my mind's going all over the place, you know? And so that's, uh, it's just that unknown and trying to bring certainty to what you're doing. And so I think that's where the wisdom kind of comes in and kind of helps. We used to do these trips, uh, I was in my mid to late twenties. Um, and we would go to Algonquin, Canada and there's these, uh, the provincial park up there. And they have all these lakes and trails. And so basically you canoe and then you portage your canoe and you canoe across the lake and then you portage to the next lake. But I'm talking, you know, you're in the thickest woods of, you know, Canada. I mean, some sweet, you know, things I've seen, uh, got to see a couple moose up there. And, but some of these portages are like four miles. And so when you start the day, the whole idea of the trip is that no one except the guy leading the trip knows the route for the day. So you don't know how long, you know, that next portage is. You don't know how many portages you have that day. You're not sure how many hours of canoeing you're going to do. And you don't know. And some days like your day would end at like five, you know, PM. And then some days you would end up going to like 9 PM. And so, but you never knew. And so that's the the same concept of like, that really plays with you mentally when you don't know the end and that's where like, and so the other thing you talked about was like traumatic stress. Like that's where traumatic stress comes in is the fact that you just, you don't know. And the mind doesn't, doesn't know. And so, man, I could talk, we could talk about that forever, but I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of the key point is bringing that certainty. That's what wisdom does. And it's going to help you, um, you know, get the result that you're actually, you know, going to be looking for. So I think that's really good. And now we're going to take a break and head into our feature of the day for time to invest. We'll be back with you in just a little bit. Hey, hey, welcome to time to invest. Today, I'm going to reiterate some things I've said before, but I wanted to make sure I was clear and wanted to make sure that you had a direction to take if you were looking to go after this. So four to five times in the last two weeks, I have been approached and said, hey, if you have a good deal, let me know. And that is such a hard thing to do because not all investors are the same and you're not going to be the same as another investor. And so it's really important as an investor, you understand what your strategy is, what you're trying to accomplish. And if we can define that, then we can go find deals that work for you. Three of the most uh, common types of investments I see people make that are not in real estate full time is one, I see people flip houses. Uh, the most successful way that I've seen people do this is if they're doing a lot of the work themselves. Um, and so they're going to get a lot of equity out of the sweat that they're putting in the house. So that's the first one we're flipping. The second one is what we refer to as buy and hold or where you turn that into a rental. And a lot of times when people 
um, are buying rentals, they're going to self-manage. It means they're not going to use a management company uh, and they're going to self-manage that property themselves. And therefore you're becoming a landlord. And, um, but when it comes to that, we still need to define what your strategy is. Uh, is it all just, you know, are we only concerned about cash flow? Are we interested in equity from the property? Um, a lot of times I see people are really just focused on the cash flow. But if there's equity in the house, then that's a bonus. And then the third is I've got people that are loaning money to investors at a higher interest rate uh, for shorter periods of time. So an example might be I might have an investor looking to borrow 50000 for six months at somewhere like 8 10%. Um, and that is a strategy that investors that are not full-time in real estate are utilizing to make a good rate on their on their return and in this instance when I represent people investors that are going to participate in this I make sure that we go above and beyond to make sure that they're protected and that they hold first position in whatever asset they're loaning on and so there's multiple ways to make money in real estate those are three of the most common that I see people that are not in full-time real estate uh, participating in to make money in real estate. As always, if you have any questions at all about what I'm talking about here or investing in real estate in any other fashion, make sure you reach out to Jacoby and I. We'd love to talk about this stuff and would love to help you out. All right, welcome back. So hope you enjoyed the feature there, Time to Invest. Um, just want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast here talking about uh, information and finding wisdom in all of the information that's out there. We live in the information age now. And so there really is no shortage of information out there. If you want to find information on something, you can definitely get it. But the thing that's lacking is wisdom. And so today what we kind of spoke about, talked about is how do you find wisdom in, uh, this, in all this information that, uh, that is out there? And a few things that we spoke about were basically finding a mentor or finding a coach. And then how do we actually go about finding those people that we are actually looking to get involved with? And we spoke about a couple of, of instances on how we did that and how it has kind of come to fruition in our real estate careers. So there are a lot of parallels in real estate uh, as far as having information and, and seeking knowledge out and being able to get the results that we're looking for. And so uh, hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to speaking with you and uh, sharing with you on the next podcast. You can always find us anywhere that you find your podcast. And we ask that you would also go on. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave a five-star rating and also give us a review. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.